ever so often, we come across what the archive calls a Sitchin debunker. This is a person who attempts to discredit author Zachariah Sitchin in his research concerning the Sumerian pantheon of gods, known as the Anunnaki. One of their frequently used arguments is the non-existence of the Anunnaki homeworld named Nibiru. Some go so far as to argue that Nibiru never even appeared in the Mesopotamian records. And it is that specific contention that we mean to irrefutably dismiss in this presentation. Moreover, we are going to utilize one of the best-known academic critics of Sitchin to accomplish the task. The three oldest writing systems which we currently recognize are cuneiform, Elamite, and Egyptian. Although Sumerian has become synonymous with cuneiform, that is not exactly accurate. The Sumerian writing system, along with Elamite, began at the earliest demarcation of cuneiform, circa 3200 to 3000 BCE, but it's not cuneiform's only form. Akkadian and Old Persian technically fall under that same category at 2500 BCE and 550 BCE, respectively. Ancient Egyptian appears around 3100 BCE. Additionally, two other writing systems are worth mention in this general context the Indus script of South Asia, and the Kipu of the Americas, both appearing approximately 2600 BCE. According to Sumerian astronomy, Nibiru is a term of the highest point of the ecliptic, for example the point of summer solstice, and its associated constellation. As the highest point in the paths of the planets, Nibiru is considered the seat of the Sumus Deus, who pastures the stars like sheep, and Babylon identified with Marduk. The establishment of the Nibiru point is described in Tablet 5 of the creation epic Enuma Elish. Quote, when Marduk fixed the locations of Nibiru, Enlil, and Ea in the sky, end quote. Nibiru is mentioned at different astronomical locations in conjunction with the positions of stars and planets, mostly as the star of Marduk. However, the various stars or planets were not subject to any fixed interpretation. For example, the star of Ea was described at various revelation spots, including Vela, Fomalhaut, and Venus. Similar interpretations were made for the other stars of the gods, so multiple celestial coordinates must be considered. Nibiru is described more closely on a complete cuneiform tablet. Nibiru, which is said to have occupied the passageways of heaven and earth, because everyone above and below ask Nibiru if they cannot find the passage. Nibiru is Marduk's star, which the gods in heaven calls to be visible. Nibiru stands as a post at the turning point. The others say of Nibiru the post, the one who crosses the middle of the sea without calm, may his name be Nibiru, for he takes up the center of it. The path of the stars of the sky should be kept unchanged. Franz Boll, a Dutch professor of Hebrew and Assyriology, called the previous text objectively the most difficult passage, although it has been handed down in its entirety. The Nibiru tablet does not provide any essential help for the clarification. In the Akkadian language, Nibiru is translated to crossing or point of transition, especially of rivers. Nibiru has been associated with the area of Libra. The Nibiru constellation rose in the month of Tisridum around the autumn equinox. However,
However, Nibiru was also a name for the planet Jupiter when observed in the month of Tisritum. The following entries were compiled by Michael S. Heiser, a self-proclaimed academic expert on the subject of Nibiru. Here he has isolated some of the exact reference citations of Nibiru appearing in the ancient Mesopotamian text. Entry 1 is Enuma Elish, Tablet 5, Line 6. Quote, he set fast the position of Nibiru to fix their bounds. Entry number 2, Enuma Elish, Tablet 7, Line 124. Let Nibiru be the holder of the crossing place of the heaven and of the earth. Entry 3, Enuma Elish, Tablet 7, Line 126, 130-131. Nibiru is his star, which he made appear in the heavens. The stars of heaven, let him set their course. Let him shepherd all the gods like sheep. Entry 4, Astrolabe B, the star catalog, known as KAV-218B. Lines 29 through 32. The red star which stands in the south after the gods of the night have been finished dividing the sky in half. This star is Nibiru. Entry 5. Mullapin 1, 3638. When the stars of Enlil have been finished, one big star, although its light is dim, divides the sky in half and stands there. That is the star of Marduk, Nibiru, Jupiter. It keeps changing its position and crosses the sky. The next eight entries are from various star lists. Entries 6 and 7 are from cuneiform tablets 26.41 V1 and 44.12 where the star named Nibiru is mentioned. Entries 8 and 9 are from cuneiform tablets 25.35.7 and 36.6, where the god Nibiru, the merciful Marduk, is mentioned. Entries 10 through 13 are from the Chicago Assyrian Dictionary, page 147, and the Omen text, where the star Nibiru and the god Nibiru are mentioned. Entries 14 and 15 are from tablets K.6174, verse 9, and K.12769, verse 6. Both have the phrase, quote, if Mercury divides the sky and stands there, its name is Nibiru, end quote. This information represents the generally accepted academic consensus related to the term Nibiru. There are two unequivocal facts with which the academics agree. Number one, the term Nibiru is real and appears multiple times in the Enuma Elish, Astrolabe B, Molopin, and cuneiform Babylonian tablets rendering various star lists. Number two, among other meanings, the academics agree that in several circumstances the term Nibiru is representative of a star, planet, or god. We cited Michael Heiser because he is representative of Zachariah Sitchin debunkers in general or at least the academic ones. The layman debunkers, who are the people all over social media claiming expertise in this area but do not hold any degree, much less one in this concentration, these debunkers 
do not even bother to gather facts. Instead, they summarily dismiss Nibiru's existence without ever even knowing the planet is in the actual historical record and acknowledged by academics. But as bad as the layman debunkers are, it is the academic debunkers who are more sinister in their efforts. Despite the fact that cuneiform scholars have identified multiple appearances of the word Nibiru in the ancient Mesopotamian text and its meaning of star, planet, or god, the academics outright deny it could possibly be the name of the Anunnaki homeworld. This highlights the hypocrisy of mainstream academia. Heiser himself admits that it's very difficult to ascertain Nibiru's exact meaning, yet he summarily dismisses Sitchin's interpretation. He argues Sitchin mistranslated the text, even though his own research verifies that Nibiru can represent a planet. This is a perfect example of how academia attempts to discredit any hypothesis that refutes its historical paradigm. So, in the case with Sitchin, we find this debunking effort on full display by the academics and then regurgitated by the armchair social media researchers. Both groups are implicitly claiming intellectual superiority on the topic, which, in the archive's opinion, is complete bullshit, and we call them all out on it.